0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. A lot, a lot happening as always. And, uh, well, we'll see exactly how it all shakes out. But great to be together. Don't forget, the Pro-America Report is available over at ProAmericaReport.com. You can also sign up for the Daily Wink. I went up to an event in Pennsylvania. I might have told you the story. I was up in Philadelphia. A man came up to me. He said, "Ah, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I said, hi, Ed Martin. He said, oh, yeah, do you do that wink? I get it every morning. I said, yeah, I do. How'd you get on there? He said, I went over to ProAmericaReport.com. He listens to the show as a podcast at TheAnswerSanDiego.com. And he said, I went over to ProAmericaReport.com and I signed up. And he said, this is a funny thing I brought up with my staff. he said, I signed up. And three days later, I got the email. And I said, what? It took three days? He said, yeah, three days later. I get it every weekday morning at right at, uh, at 8 o'clock East Coast time. And I said, it took you three days? And he said, yeah, I signed up on Friday, and I got it the first one on Monday. I said, well, that doesn't count. It's a Monday through Friday thing. I don't uh, pepper your inbox on Saturday and Sunday. So that was a good catch. But uh, go to com and you can find out more and tune in there. All right. Uh, today, I want to return to an old favorite that many of us talked about. We've had on the show we've taken your phone calls i get texts from people all the time emails and here this is the reality um the fake news now is really attempting a coup on we the people it's really you know it's we the people versus the fake news at this point because what you know, what we know in the last week is more declassified documents came out more actual concrete evidence that not only did Hillary Clinton have a plan in 2016 to try to distract the public from her own failures by talking about the uh, the Russians it was a, it was her her campaign had that idea not only do we know that now but we also know that at the highest level of American government she was aided in that effort john brennan one of the highest ranking intelligence officers uh you know and 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 someone who was knee deep in all this and even barack obama and president uh, vice president biden so that news came out more concretely in the last week and specifically in the last two days and have you seen coverage of it no you haven't fox news covered it a little bit but not very much so basically we have a a serious coup not a not a fake coup not a not a conspiracy theory but a coup to overturn an election which is at the heart of America we do a lot of things well in America right we have great protection in our Constitution for our individual liberties we have great protection in our Constitution for property rights is one of the reasons why we've talked so many times about inventions and patents and creation of wealth creation of um, of of, uh, of all sorts of uh, new inventions and ideas happened in America because of our protections of property rights. We have a great system of governing the republic in this country, a democratically elected republic representative government. All these things are extraordinary. At the heart of them, though, at the heart of all this is a system of governing that allows the transfer of power from one party to another from one person to another and that kicks is a sort of check on the uh, the the bureaucratic class or, or the or a mon- monarchical class if there was a monarch and it's 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 at stake now. It's a, the threat is what you need to know right now is the coup against the duly elected president was not just against Donald Trump, although it was it was against our very republic. Benedict Arnold didn't do anything as bad as this. Watergate was nothing compared to this. This was a coup, an attempted coup against the government, against our, our we, the people and the media, the fake news is not covering it at all. They're not covering it in any depth. They're not covering it any substance. They're not even covering it at all on most stations. Instead, they're spending their time saying that the president didn't wear a mask right, or he said that the coronavirus is more like the flu, and this is off, and that is off. And, they're, and the media now is engaged in a campaign, along with Joe Biden, to, to, to scare Americans into voting out Trump. They're scaring us about coronavirus, they're scaring us about the economy, they're scaring seniors about their Medicare, they're scaring, 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 and they're dishonest. They're dishonest about the policies, the president's policies on Medicare, the president's policies on health care, the economy, but they're also dishonest about who we are and who this president is, and the most blatant one, which is really destructive is the fine people hoax, which Joe Biden recited again, Kamala Harris recited again. It says that Donald Trump said that in Charlottesville, there were fine people on both sides, including neo-Nazis and white supremacists. He never said that. What he said was there's fine people on both sides of the debate regarding taking down statues. And then he said, said, one sentence later, he qualified it and said, and I don't mean white supremacists or neo-Nazis, they should be condemned completely. And the media continues to allow the fake news to go forward to destroy to make people scared of trump and here's the thing i thought it wasn't working I thought it's not working, and I still hope and pray it's not working. But at this point, less than four weeks till the election, I'm watching as the country is being fixated, riveted on the fear, fear, fear message, and even Fox News is engaged in it, even the Wall Street Journal is engaged in it, even the supposed conservative side of things is engaged in it. They've either fallen for it or they're engaged in it. I'm not sure which. And we the people are sitting here saying, wait a second. You're lying to us and and you're you're not just misleading us but you're lying to us. you're causing this Republic to be threatened and the same people who did the coup four years ago, Susan Rice, John Brennan, Joe Biden are at the center of this effort with the fake news to take the election away from us. And, you know, we got this report out of uh, one of our, no, our, our technical director here. He sent us, he sent me uh, an article and we're going to cover it. Uh, I'm going to cover this issue going forward as often as I have to, to try to get people to understand exactly what is happening and this one was an example this one was in New Jersey. Hundreds of mail-in ballots were tossed out in a New Jersey dumpster. I think it's the second time that's been reported. The mail-in ballots, the system is being rigged so that if they can't win, even if they can't win, and I think they plan on winning, they can take down the whole system. The, the, the forces that are either unwittingly doing this or intentionally doing this, are threatening our republic. They're threatening the American way of life. That is the reality. That is the reality. It is unbelievable what's happening. And you need to know that the enemy of we the people is... we, We the people... Is the fake news, the number one threat we have is the fake news, which is now aiding, because if the fake news covered Antifa, for example, no one would ever uh, have a second thought of saying these people are absolute traitors, these are criminals. Black Lives Matter, same thing. And they're not doing it. And so they can't win the election on issues, they can't win the election on personalities, and they can only fall back on the incredible lies and the fake news. It is really... It's, it's a five- alarm fire. If you can't hear it in my voice, I hope you are well, you know you can, you can see it in other things you're watching, because this is not a threat now of socialism versus capitalism. That's true too. Socialism kills people. Capitalism allows as much opportunity as any system under, under, in our history, in the history of humanity, in our history as people. But that's not what's at stake in the next less than four weeks. In the next four weeks, less than four weeks, you're going to see a continued assault. And like I said, one of the things that got me so torqued as I was preparing for the program was I thought it wasn't working. I thought, this isn't working. Biden's not a strong candidate. His positions are out of touch. And then I realized they're continuing to lie. Three weeks ago, they lied about military men and women saying the, the president said something he didn't say. Then a week later, they lied about his taxes, saying he didn't pay taxes, he paid millions in taxes. Then they lied about his treatment of religious leaders. Then they lied about what he said about coronavirus. Then they lied about the mask. He wore a mask the whole stupid time home from Walter Reed. And he took it off when he was standing on a balcony and no one was within 50 feet of him. Give me a break. And it's fear, 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 lies, fear, lies, fear, lies, fear, fear, fear. fear. And it's having an effect. And I, all I can tell you is whatever you were doing before, you need to do- redouble your efforts. Whatever you think is you, the best you can do, you need to do more. Whether it's making phone calls, being a poll watcher, whatever it is, you've got to do more and more and more because it is really, really dangerous now. And a lot's at stake, and you've got to figure. You got to figure out any way you can help, any way you can contribute, anything you can do. This is a huge, huge moment. And frankly, the fake news, the enemy of we the people, it's becoming worse, not better. It's getting, uh, gonna, it's going to get worse, not better. It's going to become more problematic in the fu- next couple of days. So please, please, double down, do more. And uh, fight through it. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will have we had a couple great guests today. One of them is Paul Kengor, Doctor Paul Kengor, our friend from Grove City College, and John Schlafly will be in. And I've got a very important uh, I've got a very important detail about the election. I'll get to in the uh, final segment. So turn back, tune back in. Uh, We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego.
1: welcome back ed martin here on the pro america report our old friend dr paul Kengor, who teaches up at grove city college is with us again he's got a piece that ran over uh at the american spectator which is spectator.org uh the title is amy versus the anti-birthers uh, well well prepped to hate her so is a subtitle and uh, welcome back dr Kengor. how are you
2: good ed good to be with you thanks
1: well, so the first thing I want to mention is your piece opens up and it has a quote from uh, from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I've been trying to, to educate people on this that, uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not a, um, a, a, a a wallflower in the cultural wars that began in the 1960s all the way till today, uh, until her death. Uh, she was active at the ACLU. She was in on the plan uh, to try to map uh, how to get Roe v. Wade, although I don't know if she had the name in, in mind when she did it. And then on into the the future, she wrote about it regularly and uh, People that have this sort of image of an of a 85-year-old woman working out in those last two years before she died at 87 a few weeks ago don't realize she was one of the real operators for the left. And I think people should sort of acknowledge that. I know you do in your piece.
2: Yeah, and in fact, she told Ed, she told the New York Times Magazine in July 2009, and this was an article called The Place of Women on the Court. She's talking about Roe v. Wade, and she said, Frankly, I had thought that at the time that Roe was decided, there was concern about population growth, and particularly growth in populations that we don't want to have too many of. (laughs) right, that we don't want to have too many of. And then she said so that Roe was going to be then set up for Medicaid funding for abortion. you know, for, for So so Roe was, Roe was for Medicaid funding for abortion for those populations that we don't want too many of. Now that's what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. She's being cited by everybody today in the left as this inspiration, right, and it's kind of leaked out into the general culture and, and I saw on Facebook, you know, the, the, the day after she left, people People kind of in the middle, on the right, non-political, saying, "I am so inspired by this woman," because you know, because they had simply read the really nice. Flowery kind of hagiographical portraits, and and I won't deny that there were parts of her life that weren't inspiring. I know that, but 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 the right. left hides this kind of stuff. I, I, you know, that, right. that idea, and that, the perfect question for the New York Times Magazine interview would, would have been: uh, Just as Ginsburg, hold, hold on a second, tell us which populations don't you want to have too many of? I, I, I mean, right. I, I imagine that if Donald Trump had said that at the presidential debate, right? Who are these populations? Right. So you don't want to have too many of. But, but, but right. that is kind of a classic uh, Planned Parenthood eugenics, Margaret Sanger like statement with um, with a long tradition in the roots of, of, of Sanger racial de- eugenics.
1: We're talking with Dr. Paul Kangor, and again, uh, his piece is up at uh, the American Spectator. and uh, And Paul, I want to get back to Amy Coney Barrett because I think it is so important, and I appreciate your piece on it. But I I want to acknowledge what you just said, and then and and then follow up uh, on my recent. I just had a segment opening up the show on the the danger of the media. I mean, at this point, the media is so far gone, but so powerful still, you know, in other words, right. they're, they're lying about the president's record. They're lying about what he says. They're lying about his, his, uh, you know, his, um, you know, they call it racism and all this stuff. They're lying, lying, lying. And I, my fear, his uh, Paul, I is that what his health yeah,
2: is right now. I
1: I don't even know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and my fear is they're being more effective than I realized. And in other words, they 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 are they're lying about this, Paul. I mean, you, you, Paul Kangor, who we're talking to, and he's written many many books, and two of them, one of them's on my shelf, is dupes. Another one uh, is is the history of the Reagan era and the Cold War and all different kinds of things. But they're lying about the coup that was engineered by Hillary Clinton supporters inside the government and included Obama and Biden. They're not even telling us about that. Watergate looks like a minor burglary, it sort of was at this point, at least the beginning of it, and, and compared to this coup and. We're not hearing it. And so, my question, Paul, is as you study the history of propaganda, are we at a point where we might lose the republic because the propaganda might change this election that we're about to
2: face? Well, yeah. It's, look, it's it's so bad, Ed. And, 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 it, and, it, and it goes to how they teach history as well. And the fact that we wouldn't know what I just said about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that she told, told even to the New York Times magazine. And, and look, I just mentioned Margaret Sanger. I mean, how many people on the left know that Margaret Sanger spoke to the Silver Lake, New Jersey women's chapter of the KKK? It, 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 you know, nice. and, and, and in fact, more people know that now than than knew it 10 years ago. But I've been talking about this for decades. She wrote about this. Sanger wrote about speaking to the KKK in her 1938 autobiography. I mean, that's that's how we know about this. And (laughs) excuse me. She, in her 1922 book, The Pivot of Civilization, and, and this is very much Ruth Bader Ginsburg's kind of thinking, she said there, she actually wrote, this is Margaret Sanger, it, it, the left would chisel her onto Mount Rushmore if they could, Ed. She said, mm-hmm. every feeble-minded girl or woman of the hereditary type, especially of the moron class, should be segregated during the reproductive period. Otherwise, she is almost wow. certain to bear imbecile children who in turn are just as certain to breed other defectives. And so because of that here, Ed, she wanted segregation. She said, quote, segregation carried out for one or two generations would give us only partial control of the problem. Thus, Ed, she wanted sterilization as well. Quote, we prefer the policy of immediate sterilization, of making sure that parenthood is absolutely prohibited to the feeble-minded. She she said "We we need to invest. Hundreds of millions of dollars to the care and segregation of men, women, and children who who never should have been born. Unquote. You know, those are the populations that we don't want to have too many of, and that's what Ruth Bader Ginsburg is talking about. Which brings us back to you know, um, ACB, right? Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, you know, yeah. there's somebody who the left and especially these I call them anti-birthers. They they look at somebody like Amy Coney Barrett, and they don't think to themselves, "Wow, well, you know, we complain all the time that pro-lifers only care about babies when they're in the womb, and they don't care." About them after the after they're born. Well, I got to give Amy Coney Barrett credit. She had five children mm-hmm. of her own, and then she adopted two from Haiti, and then she had a child with Down syndrome. Wow, hey, I'm, I'm really impressed with this. No, instead they say things like Bill Maher said she's a blanking nut, right? That's what that's that's yeah. what Bill Maher yep. called her, right? They they, 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 yep. they they compare her in this American Spectator piece. I I I, I actually I actually quote this, I, I, um, Ibram Kennedy. A professor at Boston University called her a, compared her to a white colonizer. A white colonizer. Ruth Ben Giet of New York University. Quote, many authoritarians seize children of color for adoption by white Christians. Pinochet's regime did this with, with indigenous kids, and Nazis took Aryan looking polls for German families. Trump takes migrant kids for adoption by evangelicals, unquote. Yeah. And, they're, and they're wanting to know, you know, here's another one, Dana Hall, a Democrat activist. I'd love to know which adoption agency Amy Coney Barrett and her husband used to adopt the two children they brought here from Haiti. Here's a QA. and a Does the press even investigate the details of Barrett's adoptions from Haiti? Some were, were uh, some adoptions from Haiti were legit. Many other were sketchy. Oh, that's nice, Dana. I, I, how about this? Why don't we yank her kids away from her, right? That'll teach her. Right? You know, that, that'll teach the witch for accepting this nomination. Th- this is how liberals be Behave, it, it, it's just vicious. It, it, it really is. Well,
1: and and, and uh, we're talking with Paul Kengor, Dr. Paul Kengor, and his pieces over at uh, the American Spectator, and I'll put it up on social media on Amy Coney Barrett and the and the fraud of the attacks on her. On the other hand, just what we said at the beginning, if the media won't call them liars and show the truth, they just keep doing it shamelessly, right? And and they go forward. I'm I, I'm pleased to say that the Mitch McConnell and the senators don't appear to be going, buying buying any of it. They're going to push forward. On the other hand, I want to ask you because uh, it's something you care deeply about is your faith, and a lot of this is anti-Catholic. Right? This is, you, this is, you, know, you wouldn't get away with this. If you did this to Jews, to a Jewish person, you'd get the anti-Semitic card played fast and hard, and rightly so. It's an anti-Catholic bigotry that's acceptable in large segments of the population.
2: Well, that's exactly right, and and you know to quote from uh, Diane Feinstein, right? You know the, the the dogma rings loudly within you, right? And mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean the the fact that you know what they don't like about her is 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 that she's an actual faithful Catholic. And in fact, Bill Maher's comment, a comedian, he 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 said of Amy Coney Barrett, called her quote a a a, a blanking. I can't use the F word. A, a blanking nut. Right. And then he said, "Religion. Right. Amy Coney Barrett, Catholic, really Catholic. I mean, really, really Catholic. Like speaking in tongues. Like she doesn't believe in condoms. Catholic, right? That yeah, that that's. <laughs> so so the problem here is that she takes her faith seriously on the on these matters like like um, birth control and, and reproduction. And so for them, you know, that's a Catholic that they can't accept. Now, now they love a Joe Biden Catholic who's willing to abandon even the high demand." Amendment of, of all things. Right. Uh, at, at least one point in time, Biden actually supported the Hyde Amendment. He reversed himself on that last summer, the no, summer of 2019, when, when Kamala Harris and and um, Elizabeth Warren raked him over the coals in the Democratic primary. So so you know they'll mm-hmm. happily they'll happily welcome Biden's faith into the public square because he's a pro-choice Catholic. But you get a pro-life yeah. Catholic, well, whack job Catholic yeah. right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, Dr. Paul Kangor. Thank you for the piece and uh, and for the interview. We'll we'll put it up on social media. We're we'll watched as the like Amy Coney Barrett stuff. Uh, the confirmation begins next Monday, and we'll uh, over the next four weeks, five weeks, well, four weeks uh, until late October. So, thanks very much, Paul.
2: All right. Take care, Ed.
1: All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
2: This is the Pro America Report
1: on the Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, our old friend John Schlafly. The Schlafly Report comes out weekly, Tuesday evening late at townhall.com and always archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. This week's column, John and Andy Schlafly put it together, is entitled Failure to Protect the President. All right, well, first of all, welcome back, John. How are you?
0: Uh, great, Ed. How are you today?
1: I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. What are you trying? What, what are you, where are you going with this piece, this one here? And, you know, the uh, amazing thing is, isn't it crazy how fast the news cycle moves? I feel like a lifetime ago the president was going over to Walter Reed. It was only four days ago. But walk us through what you're doing in this column here.
0: Well, uh, at one point, uh, I think it was just to remind people that uh, we've got a whole staff of government officials whose job it is to protect the president from all dangers, and enemies. Now, we know about the Secret Service, mm-hmm. but there's another staff, and um, and he he got COVID, he, and uh, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, that was a failure in mm-hmm. the system somewhere. You know, the media's trying to blame Trump himself for it. That's I don't think that's uh, at all fair. Uh, uh, you know, apparently... The White House has a system for testing everybody who comes into the White House. But obviously, that's not good enough because uh, the test doesn't register if somebody has recently been affected, infected. Mm -hmm. Somebody could. And now they're trying to say that uh, Trump picked it up from the people who attended the Amy Coney Barrett nomination event last saturday but uh but you know i'm not so sure that is the case uh you know it could have been come from the from the debate preparation session because other people attended the date debate preparation session like chris christie um i understand christie's now in the hospital um so it's um it's serious. It's, it's significant. Uh, it shouldn't have happened, but it did happen, and
1: uh, it would. We're talking yeah. with John, but is is the uh, how do you assess the sort of blame of it? I mean, in other words, it, it, part of what's gone on in this uh, nation is that you know people get um, people get sick, right? I mean, that's is that this is and and so uh, how, how do you who do you blame or how do you get there?
0: Well. Uh, People get sick, yes, but how does the public react? I don't really know that. Uh, uh, people are reacting unpredictably in this situation. Um, you know, Trump did get sick, but he appears to have bounced back in a couple of days, and that's a testament to his strong constitution. I was very—we gl- were all very glad to see that. Um, still, it was an unwanted intrusion. It shouldn't have happened. And mm-hmm. it does show that, um, you know, maybe you can draw a lesson that uh, we can't really, um, you know, there's no foolproof method that people are going to get the virus, whether we like it or not. So you know, Several months back, some people did argue that. You might as well just face the fact that everyone is going to get it, and, but not everyone will get sick. And we need to have methods to, uh, you know, keep from getting sick if you have the virus. Now, Trump is, did take the hydroxychloroquine, uh, but he didn't get that when he was at Walter Reed. He got another cocktail of drugs, but he did take zinc. You know, zinc is another thing, which um, is an over-the-counter uh, you know medicine, which is believed to help ward off um, uh, becoming... Having symptoms of the disease, maybe that helped.
1: We're talking with John Schlafly, the Schlafly Report this week, and um, it's. uh, John, how how is it that when the president came back, he said, "Don't be afraid, don't let this get you down," you know, and all, and and the media went wild, you know, um, and, and they went wild and said, "Oh my gosh, he's downplaying it, he's being unfair and all," you know, how how can we survive? I, I keep coming back to this, and, and but I'm, I'm we're talking with John Schlafly, the Schlafly Report. How can we, how can the republic survive? Uh, the fake news media that's so blatantly uh, untrue and dishonest. And yet it's, 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 it's just beating a message into the, the public's uh, mind and the combination of fake news and, and big tech. I I don't know why there, it feels like the Republic is going to have this election stolen.
0: It does feel that way. And, uh, beating, I mean, we're all being, been beaten down by this series of events, one after another, uh, But the shutdown of our country, you know, was unacceptable three months ago, and it's still unacceptable. We have, the people have to be able to step out into the public square, into stores and restaurants and public places and gathering places, uh, because we're not living unless we can do that. And the president, of course, is meeting people all the time. People... Go to the White House, you know, dozens of people every day. Um, and Trump then needs to go out and meet people and campaign. You know, can't act like Joe Biden. And um, but there are certain risks of stepping stepping out, and those risks are not uh, uh, you know are not fixed. I mean, wearing a mask does not prevent those risks. So um, it's. Uh, you know, I agree with you, uh, Ed. There is a bad feeling about people who seem to be in the people other than the president who seem to be driving the narrative and Trump needs to get control of the situation.
1: And, and uh, John, is the uh, how uh, at this point, you know, we're less than four weeks from the election and, um, you know. You've been one of the early writers, John Schlafly, John and Andy Schlafly, are at the Weekly Schlafly Report, talking about the threat of mail-in ballots, the threat of the Election Day chaos. Are you seeing anything that gives you any more comfort? Uh,
0: Well, the Supreme Court has taken a couple cases. There are more on the way. The the cases are flying everywhere. You know, I do believe Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, the rules that were in place uh, before, Earlier this year, need to stay in place. We can't be changing the rules uh, for the election. The election is underway, and uh, ballots need to be in the local polling place on election day. If they arrive late, that's too bad. They can't be counted. And uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that you know at least some uh, states are enforcing that rule. Others, uh, you know, are trying to relax it. Uh, we can't allow. Ele- ballots to show up after election day. There just isn't time to accept ballots and count them after election day.
1: Well, and but but I, again, I go back to: what Are you seeing anything that's going to change your mind? I mean, I, I've I've been talking about it on the on the um, on the program that um, there we have. Um, the, the Secretary of State of Colorado uh, last Friday said to the press, please don't call the election. In other words, don't do anything to uh, get in the way of us um, doing what we're doing. I mean, you know, at a certain point here, the setup is, if the media is not going to call the election and not going to do the analysis, I mean, I never believed that the media was particularly good at it. On the other hand, if they're going to say, stand down and, and string this thing out, uh, again, I, I, I are you seeing anybody, any evidence that we're uh, addressing this threat? or we just sort of headed. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a freight train, and we're just waiting for it.
0: Uh, there are dozens of court cases having to, which will, uh, which will ultimately determine, I guess, what the states have to do on election day. Uh, you know, there are going to be an unprecedented number of mailed ballots. Unfortunately. Because uh, mail ba- mail ballots you know those people are not available for exit polls, so I guess exit polls can't be done because it's not reliable. Um, so we're we're in uncharted waters. Uh, there could be states that are so close that they cannot be called even you know weeks after election day, and hmm. you know the ultimate failsafe, of that is for the state legislature to uh, preempt the ballots and simply cast that state's ballots or if, right. or if those ballots are not accepted by Congress then there is um, potential that neither candidate gets a majority in which case huh. the House of Representatives uh, votes for the president on the basis of one state, one vote so uh, that's the new house, the house to be elected. But we won't know who that yeah. is until we yeah, have until then. Yeah. And there are always All right, John. districts that yeah. are, you know, are too close to call. Yep. And it'll be gonna and,
1: and go on forever. Yeah. All right, John, i got to run. John Schlafly, check it out online. The Schlafly Report is over at uh, townhall.com and also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Always worth reading. It's a good one this week on what happened to the president, the failure. Uh, We'll look forward to next week. Thanks, John. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the
1: Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of
0: Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: In August 2016, Phyllis Schlafly had just come back from an exciting two weeks at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, Ohio. Although she had enjoyed every minute of being a delegate on the floor of that convention, the personal letter attached to the August 2016 Phyllis Schlafly report focused on the great successes that Phyllis had brought about for the Republican Party platform. Phyllis called that platform the most conservative ever. It's easy to see why Phyllis felt that way. She had helped ensure that critical language was included in the platform on building a wall and pro-life, military superiority, rejecting phony trade deals, and defeating the globalists. It was more than just Phyllis's last platform, although it was that. It's the Schlafly platform, and it's a work of art reflecting the true feelings of grassroots conservatives throughout the nation. Ordinarily, party platforms are updated every four years at the National Convention, However, this year, the Republican Party made the bold move of locking in the Schlafly platform for an additional four years. The reason given for this break with tradition was the unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic. However, virus or no virus, I'm proud the RNC chose to confirm their most conservative platform for an additional four years. Democrats and their media cohorts were quick to spread false news reports that the Republicans chose not to have a platform for the next four years. This is untrue. These false reports are about as ugly a smear tactic as one could come up with. It's no surprise. Not only do the Republicans have a platform, but their platform is stronger than ever before. Ronald Reagan called for Republicans to put forth a banner of no pale pastels, but bold colors. The Schlafly platform does exactly that. Drawing from the patriotism of grassroots activists nationwide, the Schlafly platform calls every Republican candidate to strive for an authentically conservative vision at every level of government. That conservative vision is needed even more today than it was four years ago. We may not have Phyllis Schlafly with us today, but her platform lives on in the Republican Party. And all of us must consider the challenge of rising to its call.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America report, and let's cover. I got to cover this story for you. This is one that is it's uh, very, very important. And even though I know I've been making you a little bit crazy, probably by all my talk tonight about uh, what is happening in the election and the fake news, and you know the interview a few minutes ago with Dr. Paul Kangor, uh, you know proves it. Uh, watching, watching the coverage, it's now getting more and more disturbing. On the other hand, let me tell you about how the reality the reality of what's happening on the ground of the campaign. And so here's the reality of this uh, campaign at this point. Um, there was a piece that ran in the New York Times, which is not a friend of any Republican or conservative, and it, oh, some Republicans, if they'll blast Trump, uh, by Nick uh, Confessore, who is, excuse me, Nick Corasaniti, who is one of the guys covering the campaigns. And the headline of this is, a Republican spending $60 million on a digital get-out-the-vote campaign. So it goes on to describe how the R- Republican National Committee has a very uh, comprehensive uh, effort to roll out the digital campaign to get-out-the-vote. Now... Number one, I'm not a big fan of bragging about what you're doing, but I think that the Republican Party had to do this because they were getting so much negative, fake news about all the things that weren't happening, and there's no response. When you write a story like this, The, the, the reporter when, the, when you give a story like this to a reporter, the reporter will go to the opposition and say, what are you doing? And when they go to the opposition in this case, the, the Biden campaign, they're doing nothing, almost nothing. So it, it is a kind of good story because the Republicans are able to sort of contrast with the Democrats, it's like I told you before. When you um, when you ask the Biden campaign if they're knocking on doors, they say, "No, no, we're not doing it because of investment, because of COVID, and we don't, you know, this and that." Well, the fact is, the the, the Trump campaign is knocking a million doors a week. And and again none of these things win an election. They're not they're not singularly uh the thing that can win an election, but when you start to look at campaigns, you start to say to yourself what is it that we have writ large about the momentum of things. And so, you know, certain things, let's be honest about the Biden campaign, he's raised a boatload of money. You know, he's getting tons of money in, running lots of TV ads, catching up uh, in TV ads. You know, I have told you yesterday he's running ads in Miami, trying to catch up to uh, what I think is a losing effort in Florida. This is the Biden campaign losing there. But they have lots of money coming in. That's a factor. You know, dollars coming in, especially when it's coming from lots of donors, that's a real thing. You know, we shouldn't be too uh, dismissive of that. But you also look at these other ones, like $60 million digital get-out-the-vote effort by the Republicans, uh, doors knocking in huge numbers. You know, again, signs are uh, Signs are um, sometimes an indication. And you'll hear people say, oh, there's a million signs in this place or that place. There's not any in this place or that place. I tend to dismiss signs. I think signs are more effective... When you're a challenger in in, in showing uh, energy, that's my instinct on it, because you can spend a lot of time trying to promote signs and get them placed and all this kind of stuff. But if you just sort of have a grassroots campaign, it can be one data point. Again, it's not, it's not a big deal, but like where I live in Northern Virginia, lots of Biden signs, few Trump signs. But in places where in L.A., for example, there's a Trump sign up in the hills, like the Hollywood sign, and people are going agog about it. So I'm not sure signs matter. But here's my point. Back to the reality. Buddy. If one campaign is doing lots of the basics in campaigning it and the other's doing very little it it's got a real impact and again, if I wasn't so worried about the uh, dynamic of the stealing the election, which is what I'm worried about because of the fake news and what they're doing i would uh, I would be much more optimistic seeing the fundamentals of the Trump campaign what they're up to. so we shall see again, I think it's um, it's going to be a long three and a half weeks going forward, uh, and I got a text earlier today from uh, someone who's pretty savvy. And he said, you realize the Democrats have identified a thousand lawyers that are going to go into court and start suing about the election. And I said, yes, I know that. And he said, yeah, look, he said, I'm not sure how you, ha- you you can't stop that. It may be that they don't win, but they certainly will diminish the election. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that's the plan. I think they're planning to make that uh, a mess as a way to make things uh, really difficult. So, all right. Well, that's what I want to make sure to uh, point your attention to watch that kind of stuff and see what we can see. Uh, remember, reminder that um, we will have uh, the uh, the J- Amy Coney Barrett ele- uh, uh, hearings will begin Monday, Monday after uh, noon, and uh, and that will go for a day there, and then they'll start having the senators ask questions. All that stuff should be done next week by next Thursday in terms of the committee, the Judiciary Committee, and then there'll be a couple of votes and it'll go to the floor. So watch for that uh, next week, Amy Coney Barrett, and we'll have more to cover there. Okay, uh, thank you as always to know our technical director, Joanna, for helping book our guests. We will be back tomorrow and don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for the Daily Wink and you can also see all, watch all of these interviews over there. We post them over there as standalone segments. So you can go say Kenger's piece, you can go back and look at uh, John Schlafly and all those things. So take a look at that and pass them on to your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. We will be, be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Ed Martin here on the Pro America port on The Answer San Diego. Talk to you tomorrow.